You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera and everything in between, if you have a piece of hunting gear or a piece of hunting equipment that needs a battery, Interstate Batteries has got you covered. You can go to a local retail store. Or you can go visit online at interstatebatteries.com. They have thousands of local retail shops all over the U.S., so you can go there as well. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Hey guys, welcome to Land and Legacy Podcast. This is your host, Adam Keith. We're co-owners of a consulting company called, go figure, Land and Legacy. This is your number one podcast resource for all things land. Each week, we're breaking down topics from land management, habitat management, conservation, farming practices, and real estate. We hope you guys enjoy it. Hey, guys. Welcome back to Land of Legacy Podcast. Adam here. Matt is here. Deer season is so, so close. It's scary close, to be honest. It's thirty days away, or thirty-one days for us. Yeah, it really is. August fifteenth opens up September fifteenth. Even though we won't be here, honestly, though, I'm excited for that. Let's just say the middle of September because we got two really cool things happening. Um, One being the QDMA Steward Two course we are hosting in Ohio. So if you're gonna be there, we're looking forward to meeting you. And then as soon as it's done. We're getting on the road and traveling to Missouri because we're going to miss opening day, which would be the 15th, and we'll probably be in a stand on the 16th that evening. But it's so close. Here's something for it's you. It's so scary close, honestly. We are going to be on the road, uh, and then we get back, so we're going to miss that opening day. Yep. I think it's the 21st, I found out, is when Mr. Keith Hammer from Stratton Seed Company is getting married. He's I like, know. I'm going to send you an invitation. I know. And I'm like, well, don't bother. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. He told me that. I was like, wait, I thought it was supposed to be May. And it was like, wait a second. May could have been turkey season. Yeah. And I'm like, what? where is this man's head? Yeah. Love sick. That's it. So, <laughs> deer season is coming up, though. And we are super excited about it. It should be. It should be a really, really awesome fall for us. A uh, couple, couple other, another property to hunt. Um, our traditional places to hunt. Um, some new gear coming mm-hmm, um, that mm-hmm. we're going to be trying out. Um, going to try even a little bit of saddle hunting. Someone's like, "What? <laughs> we we cracked. We did it." Well, he, here's the reason why. Truthfully, is because. It's a it's a total strategy deal of why is that only seems to be pretty popular on uh, public ground. Like yeah. if if you're telling me that it's all that it's cracked up to be, I can buy one setup and some sticks and hunt anywhere I want on the farm. I don't have to have a permanent setup. Like how how many times, even though we have tons of setups, they're out of place. We're like, oh, we need to be here, and we go. And we hunt and hang like the morning of or the afternoon. We're always transitioning stands around. It's like I could just get saddles and hunt wherever. It just makes total sense. Yeah. For us, you know, the big thing was always a limited amount of stands. Mm -hmm. And, oh, we found a good place. 
which stand gets pulled, which is the least which yeah favorable one. And then and you have then to go and disturb that area, <laughs> pull it, pull it, bring it over here, disturb this area, pre-hunt, and then hang and hunt. And it's yes. like, huh? Why why would I do that? Like, That's right. there's another option out there. And and this is this is gonna be a learning curve for us, saying, I've never been in a saddle before, but theoretically, it makes perfect sense that it's 100% applicable to a private ground land ownership standpoint that's right sometimes why, you just got to be where you need to be right it, yeah and, and i, I laugh because it's like as soon as you say saddle hunting somebody probably automatically soon oh they're gonna hunt some public land <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> we are gonna hunt some public land i hope uh brother and i have talked about a couple places possibly uh if time will allow um would love to would if love to go kick up some of the out. old the old favorite um I would love to go hunt some of the public ground that we hunted back in college and Way just after then. college um, and go to some of the spots where, where I harvested deer and just say, now, was there any, was it was just there any rhyme all, or reason? Yeah. Did I know what I was doing back then or was that just a stroke of luck? Yeah. <laughs> Probably just coincidence that it happened. Yeah. Not, not anything spectacular. Um, and I wonder if that guy's stand is still hanging on that property that I shot that nice Ten pointer out of years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Probably I need not. to just look across the fence there again. <laughs> no, it wasn't across the fence. Oh, okay. It was a public ground. He had a stand hanging, and it was late season. And, and uh, you said was, this guy's done plot. his homework. <laughs> it was on a food plot to where it was like you know, there's no sense in sitting on the ground. I'll just get up there and see if I can actually see the other end of the food plot because it had slight like. Elevation. And it just took the whole evening to look across. And no, as soon as I <laughs> climbed up in it, deer started coming to the field. Uh, and it was like, oh, well, I guess I'm stuck. And then more deer and more deer and more deer. And eventually a nice buck came in. This was December 16th or 17th. And it ended up coming in a range. And I shot I thought, boy, that guy's going to be mad at me <laughs> if he ever finds out. Just leave a, a thank you note yeah, at the base of the steps. For sure. Um, so deer season's coming. Most people by now have all their trail cameras or a lot of trail cameras out. They're we're we're in the red plots. zone, let's say. Yeah. And uh, for you other guys, we're in the we're, – we're just preseason. We're in spring training. Um, we're warm up. And so uh, we've got deer season coming, and, and cameras are out. We're getting ready. And this podcast, we're devoted to talking about some of our um, hit listers, building our inventory of target deer – and you may be surprised, so stick around with us when we talk about some of the ages and, and expectations and hopes um, and target bucks that we have planned for this fall. You know, I think one of the things that we always, always, always talk about is habitat. Habitat this, habitat that. And yes, that is an obvious thing that we focus a lot of time on so that we can have, let's say, improved deer at, at, at uh, let's say, these age classes whatever but a lot of things that we do habitat wise though also correlates to hunting strategy and that's what this podcast is devoted to it's okay here are these deer but here are the things um and and us say our approach and what we've done over this this past like off season to help prepare ourselves for intercepting these deer on let's say the whatever the list is and we want to review that and say, here's our strategy, here's what we've done, here's how we think we're going to be able to capitalize on these deer, utilizing these properties. So I think it's going to be definitely informative, kind of a bringing everything full circle from a habitat standpoint to a technique standpoint to a hunting standpoint um, and just celebrating and just getting ready for season. For sure. Um, before we get started, though, I want to remind you guys that um, we have really been pumping out videos um, that are kind of five to ten minute tidbits from our podcast. Um, food plot updates, uh, hunting strategy, food plot. I'm trying to think of what I called that last one. Food plot, um, how to make a food plot basically. We've got, we get this question Converting a lot. Converting basic want, pasture I want, I want to food plot. address something because um, I think it might have been, it, we were specific about one thing and it kind of fell into where we had a couple questions about um, trying to use that same method on something else. So we're converting a old pasture that is mostly tall fescue um, into a food plot 
and the reason we're doing that is it's a jam up uh, hunting spot it's a saddle on a big ridge that we by chance through some camera observations for projects going on on the farm with what's uh it was a logging operation we were trying to monitor the logger and and the amount of loads that he was hauling in and out um we noticed we found a good spot uh, a pretty good bottleneck and then we took that one step further and we're like okay up on top that's what they're cutting across we're going to convert this food plot it's tall fescue so our first step was mowing it and I've had this question a couple times on private message and once on our uh, on our actual I had Facebook an email page. Come through, where as well. when do you know if you should mow before you spray or just spray and plant? And so the reason why we chose mowing is because it is tall fescue dominated, and the tall fescue being a cool season grass is if we were to just go in and spray, we wouldn't get down into the real green part of the plant and kill the tall fescue. It was going to be more collected by all the the stems and the seed heads from the mature plant. So that's why we bush hogged. If you're converting a a field that's mostly annuals, let's just say it's weeds and a lot of a lot of different things, you can spray and then just plant. But if you're getting into something where there's a lot of thatch that's dead thatch, that's when you're going to need to mow. So that's our last video that we put on our YouTube channel. Please go and show your support to us by um, get on YouTube, search Land and Legacy, and subscribing. There's going to be a lot of videos, especially as I stare at a new camera, especially this fall oh, yeah. uh, as we get into hunting season. And we're going to be pumping out hopefully a lot of a lot of hunting videos. So. And uh, definitely don't want to miss out on that. Be sure when you see them pop up on Facebook to share them if you if you like that content, if you um, feel like that's a, a great technique to be using or something that you're interested in, hit that share button or tag some buddies in them. I want to get the word out on hopefully just good, knowledgeable content that, that is applicable to a lot of people across the country. Um, so that's definitely been happening. Another thing that's been happening a lot, you've been pumping out videos and we've been selling or getting some properties under contract real estate-wise, which has been super exciting too, moving into the fall. Um, so that's been rocking and rolling. But we've got a lot of exciting things happening with deer season coming up and QDMA Steward 2 course getting ready to be hosted. I know that class filled up super fast, and um, I'm excited for it, for all the people to be there in attendance. But let's yes. get down to the, the nitty-gritty the meat of this podcast. Let's talk about some deer. Yeah, absolutely. And and I, I think we're not we talk so much about habitat for all kinds of both game and non-game, but um a lot of you guys are deer hunters as we are as well. And so um you're going to see a, I guess the the thread that's woven through a lot of this is deer management. Correct. Um, and and so because that's why a lot of people are doing the work that we're doing the bedding areas and edge feathering and hinge cutting and food plotting everything is kind of driven around that circle of of deer so we're talking about some of our hit listers and basically our main hit listers on two of the main farms we hunt um i don't know which one you want to start with We'll just start at the top, what we kind of discussed pre-show, and, and this is kind of the most recent one that's just kind of popped up as, we'll just call it the 10-point with two kickers off this, oh, um, yeah. the G2s of this deer. Uh, he's actually right now picked him up on your guys' your family farm, not the lease, but we're pretty sure that we had an encounter with this deer last year. Did well, that was mid-October. Now, I went back and looked, and I let me let me do that while we're recording here. Okay, because I'll talk it's, about it's a, a neat little neat little deer here. We believe it was not a so young, little either. <laughs> not so little. Um, and this is one of them where I think if I were to show you pictures, and I've showed several people, and like, man, he's a really nice deer. He looks young. He's probably three and a half. Yeah, we'll be straight up with you. He's he's most likely three and a half. But guess what? He comes by. He's getting shot. Without uh, doubt. He's too good of a deer to pass up. We don't get too worked up about. Basically, what I always use on the gauge is, does it get my heart racing? And, and this deer right here will definitely get my heart racing, especially he's in a uh, food plot that we've called Fiasco forever. 
and uh, for good reason until this year. <laughs> yeah, it's been just oh a nightmare to deal with this food plot. But it's one of the bigger food plots. I think it is the biggest food plot on the family farm. So um, it's been a little bit difficult to hunt in the past. We've hunted it with redneck blinds. Um, and then this year we decided to move in, get a little bit more aggressive and hunt in kind of a corner that they come out in a lot. And we hung in a humongous cedar tree. Um, and so I'm a little bit torn on that. I've always looked at it and said, why don't we just cut that thing down so we right. knock another cedar out. But, um, it's actually a really nice stand and oh. found it. You did. I found it. Yep. And so uh, we'll put in the. We'll probably put in the the thumbnail for this podcast. Will most likely be. Hopefully, it'll be if we can gather up enough pictures. It'll be last year's pictures versus in this year's pictures. Right. right. And uh, do you think it's him? It, it, honestly, it's through a lot of brush. So the picture we're talking about is we were in the stand, saw this deer, and he went and bedded down in cedars that were cut, tops of some cedars in a yeah. big drain. Um, don't but it's kind of through some brush. So don't it, you have one where he's standing there looking right at us, though? I don't have it on my phone. I may have taken it, but I don't have that one anymore. Gotcha. Um, oh, you're actually looking at your images on your phone. Yeah, because I transferred it from the camera to my phone. Gotcha. Gotcha. I thought you had posted one on our Land and Legacy page. Oh, I don't, uh, I don't believe so. Okay. Well, anyway. Um, Maybe I did. This deer, I'll check that, too. It was most likely two and a half last year when we had this encounter. Nice, yeah. young eight-pointer. Wide? Man, really it, wide. That kind of got us excited. We both looked at each other in the trees like, he's not, he's not a shooter, but that deer right there is a great young deer. He's trying to be somebody. Yeah. And... Uh, and so, basically, got us all sorts of excited, and then uh, we ended up, uh, I don't see it on our Instagram page, Matt, but gotcha. um, passed him up because he was, you know, he was a, just a nice young deer, didn't get us going. But this year, if it is the same deer, he blew up. He's a mainframe 10 with two, I don't know, inch, two-inch kickers off his G2s, almost like perfect handlebars. Definitely came, kept that same wide appearance to him, very similar frame, added the extra um, tines and kickers, but he doesn't have like the incredible tine length that no. you know you may say, oh, well, that's, that's like the next stage up caliber of a deer. But without a doubt, this is a very respectable um, respectable buck. I mean, it, it's, it's awesome to be able to see him and see that leap that he made. And it's like, wow, that's that's just impressive for one, a three-and-a-half-year-old deer to be of that caliber here, um, but then for it to make that big of a jump from what we saw last year at a couple times, quite a bit of mass because he was pretty spindly horned last year. Um, had Again, had that frame, but just not, not any mass to it. Um, so he made a great leap. But what's exciting to me is going back and thinking about how how that deer kind of utilized the area, the farm last year at the food plot. We're talking about fiasco. There was a bachelor group that was working that area pretty much the last part of the summer. Is that correct? Yeah. And he was included in that, I believe. And then is that him right there? I think you're pulling him up. Yeah. Yeah. I'm on deer lab right now. Yeah, that's him. And so he was there working this area, August and into September and, um, I think that there was an opportunity if the food plot had been even more successful last year that there would have been a shot early season at this bachelor group utilizing this food plot. Um, But then looking into this year's plan and the success that fiasco isn't such a fiasco or anything anymore. Look how terrible it looked last year. Yeah. Yeah, that if you remember, we put heritage. Uh, how could we ever forget? But we planted it in heritage blend, and the cows got out and ate it, yeah. ate it down. Isn't that the deer that I shot right That's there? That's the deer you shot yeah. right there. Sure is. Yeah, sure enough. Another one in the basher group that was utilized in this area with this buck that we're now talking about is one that I harvested last year. So this this area, but look at that basher group just tearing it up in there late late August. Um, so definitely cool to see. Um, for some reason, this area of the farm definitely holds quite a bit of bachelor group. Um, that's it. Yep. I'm trying oh, to the, figure the out where time. the drop tine buck yeah. went to because he ran around with this buck all summer. Yeah. And if if you remember, I mean, how could you forget? It's only been a couple of weeks, but the deer we're talking about in pictures this year, he's running a bachelor group, 
and there's a couple deer we haven't had a good look at mm -hmm. that look pretty tall. That could be them. Could or be. That could be him. There's Mr. one that's got quite a bit of mass on his beams. Yeah, yep. has a similar kind of frame, but just doesn't have that drop. Now we know up for How sure. How many inches or what what percentage of jump do you think that deer had from last year to this year? Oh, I'd say he probably he probably packed on easy another 20, 30 inches. Easy. I'd say right now he's right around 100 or or not right now, but last year he was 90 to 105 and now he's upper 20s, I'd say. I'd say easy. Yeah. 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 Um it depends on what he ends up what his beams are. Yep. So I mean, he definitely made a pretty good jump, and, you know, you look at Fiasco Food Plot, and it's one of those where we've done more work around that one than probably anywhere. Uh, that's probably been the hardest focused area, not because these deer have been here, but just because that's where y'all decided, hey, that needs a lot of improvement, so yep. let's just focus on it. We had the 16-acre cedar cutting that we had to do uh, up front in that pasture, and then we did the... Uh, hard edge feathering around this hard uh, uh some bedding thickets on top of all that and yeah. a prescribed fire yeah so and now the food plot's looking the best it's ever looked yeah it's no wonder that they're they're in there but i, I think one thing to go back real quick is okay someone's out there thinking okay guys if you're th saying this deer you think he's three and a half and he made that nice of a jump from two to three then then why are you targeting him like, what is, why would you not let that, that deer go? Um, you know, is, is he close to a boundary? Is he close to a border? What's, what's making you say that's a target deer for this year? For me, it's just the f simple fact that he's a trophy in this area. Um, it comes down to the family farm. There's not a lot of deer of that size right now and it just I, we could say no nah, we'll pass him we'll wait him but I, it's not about trying to shoot mature deer it's about just shooting nice deer on the farm and what gets us out there and going so um I, anybody would be happy with with this deer like yeah it, it's a very respectable Unless you're deer 80 percent of deer hunters would be very happy with this deer. oh yeah for sure there's those those jokers in Iowa and Illinois and those trophy farm trophy properties that are like, Hey, uh, we're shooting five and a half and older. Great for you. Fantastic. We'll applaud you, but we're not in that boat. And so we're shooting deer that we want to shoot. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's it. And, and again, truthfully, like, like you said earlier, it goes back to if that deer walked by the stand at, you know, early season, middle of the season, late season, that's a, that's a good deer <laughs> all throughout. And if he makes it to it, – let's say he doesn't get shot. Let's say he doesn't get harvested or, or hunted much. Maybe he just doesn't um, get on a pattern that we think he will and be harvestable. Then awesome. Now he's four and a half next year. But right now, if the opportunities arise, which we think they probably will, things look pretty good that that deer could definitely be a target on – Opening, to, uh, <laughs> dang you, QDMA! <laughs> yeah, thirty-two days from now, with with the wind, uh, with the right wind, something out of hopefully the south southeast, correct? Yep, straight south would be great. So that deer is it's cool, but here's the thing: what 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 time was it? I have to go back to my pictures now. When we had the encounter with this deer last year on a slightly different portion of the farm than what we're picking them up right now, that it was, was mid. It was, Mid, mid to late October? Mid to late October. I think it was right around the 20th most likely. Um, the thing about that is that's been a kind of a, a traditional shift that deer have taken. Mm -hmm. Start out on that side of the farm during the summer and then shift more to the central and northern part during the fall. Um, the deer I shot three years ago, sticker eight, he did that. He was on this part of the farm and the southern part of the farm and he moved to the north side. The deer you shot last year spent his time on Fiasco and then moved to Dollhart. Yep. Um, and so this deer, the one we're talking about now, last year's a two and a half. He started in Fiasco and he shifted over, uh, and we saw him in the s central part of the farm. October 11th. Oh wow! So it was pretty early. And I think we I had think a we cold hunted, front exactly. Come through. I was like, we never hunt a morning that early typically, but we had a cold front that was like. We'd be silly. We're going to get chilly in the tree if if, uh, if we hunt. So we, we – and it paid off. Not this year. I won't. Yeah. <laughs> I'm fixing that problem. Yeah. Um, but 
you know, we, we had an encounter with this deer, decent deer, last year, 740 in the morning, um, and thought, man, look, we're going to put that in the old memory bank and say this information, this encounter is going to be applicable to us, hopefully in the years to come, if the deer didn't get harvested. Now we're sitting there thinking, got it. You do this stuff again, you make this shift, we're, we're already positioned well for it if we just hunt the same tree, but there's the opportunity of early season capitalizing on them. Absolutely. Did you uh, – I don't know if I told you this, but remember how we sat in that stand last year and it was like, man, we need to get rid of that and we need to do this and this? Yes. We did it. Awesome. So all those sycamores the that were in sycamore front of sprouts, us. little sycamore sprouts, cut them babies down. Um, and there's a couple trees that we made primo – Scrapes. scrapes yeah so there's scrape limbs everywhere or not everywhere like three main spots mm-hmm. and you know we're talking about an area of the farm that's kind of overgrown warm season pasture mainly uh broom sedge and uh i took the bush hog and i mowed some trails out through it too so um through big thick briar blackberry patches mm-hmm. to the east of us they have now trails going through them so Deer should be walking right through there and, and going right in front of that stand. So perfect. Yeah, excellent, excellent. Well, I think I think basically, if we were to sum up a strategy for harvesting this deer, it would be set the stand. You know, hunt stand on fiasco early season if they're still daylighting, coming to the beans, um, and see what happens there. If not, then. We're going to go and focus on the north side, correct? Uh, yep, in the central In part. the central portion where we think they're that if he beds like he does last year, he'll be in and around there It kind of goes with early in the season, we're chasing food. We're trying to get them going to food. We don't hunt a lot of mornings. We don't believe in hunting a lot of mornings. Uh, early in the season, we're hunting food, whether that be in the form of white oak acorns, whether that be in the form of a food plot. Um, but if if that shift, if we don't catch them early on going to food sources, that's when we shift and we start trying to hunt thickets and bedding areas and in between, in between, basically we're hunting cover, either clo- very close to it or in between cover and food, and that's what we were doing October 11th was yes. we were hunting a thick kind of a overgrown bedding area, and he was in there. And that's what we kind of do during the middle part of the season into the rut is we're trying to we're trying to catch deer either going to or from cover or hanging out close to cover. Um, and so for for a lot of our strategy, it doesn't matter what deer is probably going to be. If you're asking us early season, we're trying to catch them on food if or, or coming headed to food. And then during the middle part of the season, it's trying to get them around cover. Um, and that's exactly what the northern stand that we're talking about, Dahlhart, and then this other stand out in the middle of the uh, kind of the brushy field. That's where we're at. So that deer is going to be hopefully on our radar opening week. I can't say day, but opening week. Yeah, right. Chad's going to be home. He's going to come in, swoop in. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Oh man, well, that's that. I think I think that's a that's an awesome. And that's awesome why deer. that camera right there is there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we don't have any more mishaps have, like last year. <laughs> we have lots of. Uh, now we can self film if we need to, um, and if you can't run a camera self filming, then you can't hunt. So that's <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, well, that's a that's that's definitely an exciting deer. Um, I, I'd like to I'd like to hear once we post some of the pictures here. Um, on the, on the podcast images and everything, what's your thoughts on it? What, what would you do in that situation? But next is a deer that made an even larger jump from last year to this year. And I, I have, I, I'm interested to hear your thoughts, Adam, of, you know, basically calling, I don't know what to say, call the shots um, of when the best opportunity is to harvest this buck but we're talking about the the deer that was an eight pointer last year great heavy frame um beautiful tines that is now turned into a 
beast. <laughs> a mainframe 10 with two additional kickers coming off um, between the typical G1 and G2, respective on both sides. I think he's a mainframe 11, actually. I think he's got a G4 on or a G5 on that. Starting on that. On that okay, so mainframe side. 11, maybe maybe a 13-pointer total, though. I, yeah, I it's, th- actually, I think he's a 14 or 15-pointer because he's got some more kickers on his brows. He's a 30-pointer. Yeah. <laughs> he's Whatever a, he is, uh, it's a good deer. And this jump was pretty crazy. We're yeah. honestly talking about easy. Last year five he was in the 30s, additional? and this year he's probably in the 60s. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I, I feel pretty comfortable saying that. Probably low 60s. Um, but last year was, was kind of an interesting year. He definitely seemed to favor the southeast side of the farm, of, or I guess, or of the lease. Kind of. Kind of, but he, because but he, he was, was rangy at yes. the same time. He was a deer that would be almost like MIA for a week, and then we would get like four pictures in four different locations, bam, 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 bam. And we're like, okay, he's back on the property. And then MIA for two weeks, and then come back and be very, very photogenic for a week. But um, but then later in the season, it was like, actually, I'm going to hang around a little bit longer, I feel like. Or or be like it wasn't as rangy. It was a little more consistent. Let's say later November through December. So I don't even remember when we got the first picture of him last year. Um, it was probably Pull up deer labs. He went pretty early. I basically this deer was just a. He's a really nice deer, um, and he was a really nice eight pointer. Long story short. Um, and you found a shed this year. I found a shed in, Accidentally. in <laughs> April when I went to check out one of our food plots to get ready for planting. And and it was kind of silly because we had been in that plot multiple times prior to that and never saw the shed. And it was like, oh, it's just, wait, it was laying in the middle? We've, yeah. we've all been there twice. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I don't know how we missed it, but it had been there a little while. It was already kind of sunbaked. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a nice, it was just a nice, nice deer. Um and, you know, it's just one of those things where that's where shed hunting doesn't get us too riled up. It was like, oh, very cool, another piece of the inventory. Mm-hmm. So if we're going to talk about this eight-pointer, this what we just called a couple of years ago we had him and we thought he was either two or three, and then last year we thought he was three or four, and then now we're like, I'm pretty sure he's five. Um, so early in the season um, he was definitely um, – he w- if you look at at a deer he kind of has all the traits that you're hoping for as in he's active he was active early mid late season we had him all the, all the way through season then he wintered on the farm cuz we found a shed uh we had pictures all the way up until february um and then we kind of stopped monitoring our cameras and batteries died and um cuz we were consulting we weren't right. even we weren't even in missouri <laughs> that's right and so uh you know, it was just uh, he's a he's a really photogenic deer as far as when he's on the farm. Um, you, you, we had lots of pictures of him at various locations. His jump was from the 30s to 60s, but here we're talking strategy. For me, if we we look at where he was last year early in the season, um, we had pictures of him. I just feel like, and it's it's I feel like one of our best spots for him during that first part of the season is kind of a perfect combination because I believe it's pretty close to where he beds because we have daylight images of him, but we're putting in a new food plot um, on a saddle. If you Actually, what we were just talking about in the video. The new video that's coming out, uh, or that I guess it was already out. Mm-hmm. We put it out earlier uh, last week. Um, we're bush hogging. I don't know how big it is. Quarter acre. That's a quarter. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be planted in revival and and probably uh, some other stuff uh, to try and get it as maximum uh, production as possible. But it's a new food plot that was pasture, but it's in a little sway of a, a sway of a ridge, and uh, it's right close to his bedding area, and. It's just a great travel corridor, but now we have food there, so they're going to travel through it even more. And at the same time, uh, there's going to be some great scrape limbs on it. So that could be a place where 
we we hunt there early in the season or we hunt at the last day of season. It's just one of those where it's like that's our strategy because it's a combination of great going to be great food and great um, a great bottleneck. I think that's a I think that's a awesome place to intercept them. Like I said, it, it could happen early season, middle of season. What we found over the past couple of years is any saddle on this property is pretty daggum active. Like they are just 100% utilizing these saddles. Um, but one, one spot that we haven't hung yet, but we found it the other day is basically across an open hillside and it's more of a rifle setup. Um, not to say that this deer obviously will not be targeted during archery season, you know, September, October, but just a gut feeling of mine is like, I think when that deer is most active, when he's running around middle of November, that spot, basically it's, it's, it sits in between two saddles that we know this deer frequents often. And it's very, it's, it's like non-intrusive at all. And so you can hunt it, you can observe it and it's a perfect bench across an open hillside between these two saddles. And we're like, I, I think that deer is going to move through there. And that's going to provide an awesome opportunity. Middle of November, again, when they're running, chasing does on their feet, that's going to be a, a, an awesome opportunity to, to harvest that deer. And we haven't, we've never hunted it before. We've never, we just kind of like connected the dots and like, that I wonder, I wonder if they're walking across here. Like, is it, is it right here? And then as soon as we're there, it's like, okay, yeah, here's the trail. Now we got some pictures. Now as we're looking back across the hillside, it's like, that's the tree. Yep. And it's like, why didn't we think of this before? But at the same time, I just. It's the camp deer, too. Yes. Because it's the access is stupid. Um, as in stupid, I mean too easy. Um, walk up a nice road straight up to the top, cut over in the woods, and, and be sitting there. 150, 200 yards from, from where we're going to be staying. Yes. Down in the valley. So we're basically going to be down a little hole, climb to the top, set in a stand, and overlook this big overgrown hillside. And and, and I feel like, one, you, you can observe basically anything you will need to out of that tree, and you're just you're positioned so well. It's not funny, and it's going to be super, super easy access. There should be no reason deer behind you. I say that. We'll probably get busted or hear, hear some blowing down the holler behind us. But that right there is is the perfect opportunity to kill a deer in transition. And I think that's what we talk about a lot from, okay, the food source, early season, that's what we focus on. Um, that's where deer are making themselves visible a lot. But anytime middle of the season, and even sometimes in late season, depending on how your deer bed and how you set up a farm, we prefer to hunt deer in transition, and this is just the picturesque, perfect place to hunt deer in transition. Yeah, absolutely. I worked a property yesterday. And there's no shame in shooting them with a gun. No. Mm-mm. Not one bit. New guns, too. Yeah. Um, Excited to try them puppies out. <laughs> me, too. Me, too. And so uh, yesterday I was working a property in, in uh, kind of south-central Arkansas down, uh, I don't even know, central Arkansas, let's just say. Uh, around hot springs and setting a property up uh, new food plots are in place guy just started putting food plots in and uh, he for you guys that are leasing timber country um, this guy's doing the same thing and guess what he he managed to find a way to talk the timber company into letting him put in food plots so it's possible huge huge win for him so guys Keep on fighting the fight. Yeah, there might there's hope after all. This guy put in food plots, and but we were looking at them, and most of them were like square rectangles, one food plot, multiple stands on them. But there was like where he'd abandoned like little bitty ones right next to it, and it's like, uh. oh no 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 no, we're gonna bring these back in, and so those little bitty ones, which may only be thirty yards um, or twenty yards are converted to perennial clover, alfalfa, chicory mixes, like the Revival blend uh, from Stratton, going into a bigger field, which will be annuals. And so now you have this two different types of food 
um, with the transition in between, he's putting scrape limbs or mock scrapes up in between on those travel corridors, and now he's hunting in between them. So whether a deer is in plot A or plot B, if they go from one to the other, they're walking right in front of him. But he can enter and exit without actually having to walk across a food plot or blow deer out of a food plot. It's like it's the perfect scenario. Mm. It's exactly what we're shoot for for a lot of our setups is transition zones. And uh, and so that that guy's going to be right in the mix of some awesome hunting because of just tweaking the strategy a little bit. You may have um, you may have a, a tool bag of hammer, screwdriver, uh, whatever, drill, all the tools you need to build a home, but it's how you use them to actually build a good home versus a very poor shack. That's right. And, uh, and, and that's really what we try to do working with landowners is you may already have the tools, but we're, we're there to help you see how to use them um, and how to restore the land by using and, those tools. And honestly, a lot of that comes down to... You're honest, Abe, aren't you? When to... Yes, I am. When to keep the tool bags in the tool bag itself sometimes we find it you don't know stop you don't need to do that let's just simplify this keep that in your back pocket sometimes for later. you're going around just keep hitting the nails yeah yeah <laughs> yeah instead of driving new nails and doing all sorts of different stuff it's 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 fun um i think like we said it's always a it's a puzzle and we're we're learning to put the pieces together um in different ways but you know what, how are we going to hunt this deer? I think when we look at this tall eight-pointer, and I can't even call him tall eight anymore because he's changed. The turdy so pointer. He's the tall 15-pointer, or he's the big guy. or yeah. We don't really name a lot of our deer. A few of them have nicknames, but we don't name every single deer. And This deer, uh, early season, we'll probably be hunting that new food plot, the saddle, or the Paradise Point, which he's yes. been active in. He could even still be down in the bottoms. He, he he's he's ventured down there. Uh, I think that's a great early season spot, honestly, to hunt. It gets shade early in the day. Um, it, it's going to be planted, and it's cool right next to the creek. I I, I would Brushy not bottom over, could be a good good not pick. Overlook those. The cornhole might be a little bit difficult because yep. the beans are so tall. I'm honestly considering taking that redneck ghillie blind out of that and yes. sticking it in a brushy bottom mm-hmm. because it's like there's. How are we going to hunt it? Yeah. You're going to see antler tips. Yeah. And I'm not kidding. Those beans are that tall. It's crazy. But, um, yeah, I, I think that there's there, there's a couple of different scenarios that could play out. We'll just have to keep monitoring. That's the value of the, the cuttybacks that we've seen sending pictures daily, twice a day to us of, okay, here's what's happening. Here's what's doing. Here's what they're doing. We know really where they're traveling from point A to point B because based on terrain and uh, but a lot of those places, sometimes um, they're just inaccessible. So we're probably going to be set up destination food sources or little little um, kill plots early season. But and I we've honestly got to figure out how to get a, a stand on that south saddle. Yes, that that's that may be a saddle game. Truthfully, who who knows? But that south saddle on the property, which is in in uh, what we were talking about earlier, that that hillside, the open hillside, is one of the saddles that we know he crosses often and um but we've talked about this in the past too saddles they're awesome to hunt if they're broad enough but this is a pretty narrow saddle in the ridge and adam you and chad have hunted this farm way more than i have and it's just it's one like of those places that wind, uh, wind tunnel wind tunnel yeah, it's, it's 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 so narrow and kind of steep that the wind swirls so very often and if you have a east wind or a west wind well you better make sure you know which direction he's coming from because he's going to be crossing east to west because the ridge is running more north to south. So it makes it very difficult to find the right appropriate wind. And some of that might be you only, only, only can get in there after leaf drop because that's going to make that wind channelize a little bit better through there. But I think it's almost a suicide mission going in there before November 1 when the leaves Especially we're going to have Bounty Hunter in that whole valley. So you know, those yes. saddles are going to be red hot. Red, red hot. <sighs> yes. <sighs> so it's uh, a lot of, I, I think, I think here's the other thing. We know where he, if you will, kind of wintered last year. Um, and we know where he was feeding late season. I think with the amount of food that's going to be in those bottoms on the other side of these saddles that we're mentioning, late season, 
there's a heck of an opportunity to to get that deer um, killed down there as well. Late muzzleloader could be dynamic if we get the if we get the cold weather. So I think it's it it's encouraging to say okay, well we know early season here's here's potential, middle of the season here's potential, and late season here's potential. It's it's not like there's a clear cut answer, unfortunately, but fortunately we have multiple ways that we think we'll be able to intercept this deer and that's that's a great thing about this deer because he seems to be spending all his time on the farm he could venture off a little bit but for the most part he's on the farm yes um unlike a couple of the other deer we'll mention a little later but i feel like we have really good strategy strategy for this buck for every stage of the season every stage and that doesn't that's a confidence booster going in knowing how big he is we can we can get it in in front of him what about uh snakes snakes is a deer that um i mean he's a deer that you just can't not name um because of the odd antler configuration he has going on you a could cluster. A, a lot of people medusa was too easy to call him that what's i, I think this is a it's <laughs> gonna sound weird but a uh dessert like treat around christmas the haystack Yes, and that like called him haystack. That's where it's butterscotch on, um, like potato fries or something. Yeah, something like that. that but yeah. it's like these like little sticks coming up yeah. everywhere. That's what this deer looks like, or one of those. What are those sea uh, urchins? Sea urchins, I think yeah. is what they're called. Yeah. Very similar to that. This deer uh, got the name snakes because of Medusa, but then also Home Alone when he says snakes. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, whatever movie it is. We, don't, we don't need to explain that. That's not but what's his important. His name is Snakes, and yeah. uh, he's got a lot of spikes on his head. It's actually on a property that we hunt uh, that we don't own, but we hunt um, that's a working cattle farm, lots of alfalfa, lots of uh, pasture ground. and um, But it's proven to be very, very loaded with, with game, both to, turkeys and deer. T- two years ago, um, I missed this deer with a muzzleloader at like 150 or 130. I don't remember. But it was in the snow, very last light, uh, free hand, and an inexperienced muzzleloader shot. Uh, and I missed this deer. Last year, Chad missed this deer um, with a muzzleloader. Oh, sorry, brother. Beep, beep, beep. Here comes the bus. Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's and coming. then he missed him again with the no. bow. Um, and so this late this, season, like one of the last days of the season. I don't even remember. We were already consulting when we called were, us. We were on our way to iowa gotcha yep we are on our way to iowa and got the call i missed or i nicked him he nicked him i think really really low yeah nicked some belly hair well he showed back up he's got another running mate with him that's a really nice deer but snakes is one of those that um last year early season he kind of vanished on us yeah showed up mid late october when they started scraping um there was soybeans uh, in this part of the part of the farm, um, but there is not this year. So we're kind of up in the air, going, okay, what is he? What what's the plan? A little bit of a shift, you know. Soybeans, ag beans aren't real attractive. If you catch that window and they're still green during first part of season, they're still a, a hunting source. But a lot of guys, in my experience, you're dealing with leaves starting to turn, get a little waxy, get a little mature and they're starting to turn yellow and deer aren't on them nearly as much um or uh, hardly at all and so this especially when there's acorns especially in this farm was loaded with acorns last year and so uh this year if there's and it doesn't seem like we have a huge acorn crop here in the ozark Mm -hmm. mountains this year so food sources like alfalfa are definitely a hot treat hot topic I'm um, in a hot destination, and with alfalfa in the area, snakes will be on our radar for that opening day. Oh, dang you, QDMA. Not opening day. Uh, opening week, um, that first part of the season, because alfalfa is such a tremendous attraction early in the season, and we have a really good pinpoint on this deer. We know where he's coming in. Um, I mean, all three shot opportunities have been in a 100-yard circle um, because he's coming in in this one little spot. Um, and so we feel really good about uh, him early season. Late season might be a little bit. Unfortunately, 
when you get into this uh, farm, there's not that late season destination. Alfalfa is the main food source, so they'll probably be going to alfalfa from beginning season to the end of season, unless it gets really, really cold. Um, and so we really have a, I mean, that, that we really only have him in one area, and there's one big uh, alfalfa field, but he's coming into one part of it, so the strategy is pretty much the same. When he's using that area, we're going into this one this one little area to try and capitalize on snakes. Well, and that's that's kind of a two points I want to talk about is okay, yeah, that field used to be crops. Now it is a heavy combination of a lot of alfalfa and orchard grass in there. So I still think that it's going to have the pull that it needs, necessary, especially because that's one of the really only other um, fields that's not just pasture, cool season grass on the farm. So or excuse me, that portion of the farm, it's going to have quite a bit of draw still. So hopefully late season, they still kind of make that repetitive motion and move to that field as a big feeding source. But the other thing that makes that spot where you guys have had the shot opportunities so dynamite is the fact that when that food plot, or, or excuse me, that field was cleared, there's some dozer decks and piles. So if you will, it's a very um, different way of looking at edge feathering. But the way those piles have been pushed up against the edge of the timber, it is really creating a bottleneck, and he is consistently going through that. When he is committing to the food resource during daylight hours, he's going through there. And you can get there and hunt on the appropriate winds um, pretty easily. And so if he does it, I think there's a great shot at, at harvesting that deer. But I think he daylights, truthfully, a lot on a neighboring property which kind of at different times of the year, if you're hunting, if you're choosing to hunt lots of cover, like we'd like to in November, late October, it kind of, it kind of tough to hunt that deer at that point. So early season and late season, I think it's going to be the best focus for hunting that deer. Yep. Unfortunately, you know, uh, that farm being a cattle farm, there's not a whole lot of really good bedding. Um, and there is a new portion that's, that's bedding. Um, that I don't feel like we had him last year over on that spot, but they're very well likely he could show up over there during the rut. So it's kind of sure. a, yeah. er, like you said, early, late season, and then we'll see what happens during the rut because there really are no guarantees during the rut. No, there's not, and there's not. And hopefully during muscle season, y'all take your shooting sticks next time. Oh. <laughs> but what it – Honestly, stick. here's a crazy thing. I don't even thing. have a shooting stick. It was always cut a forked branch. That'll work. Here's a crazy thing. I just want to see this deer. Yeah. I want to see what he looks like in person. You know, people ask crazy, us, crazy is he a cactus deer. buck? No, he sheds his antlers. He sheds his velvet. Um, he's just an interesting deer. I, I'll be. It, it'll be interesting if we do get him, get him on the ground to see what what's going on. If there's anything. Um, that that's causing him to be like this. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Could it be an antler doe? Who who the heck knows? Um, Speaking of odd deer, yeah, let's just go ahead and jump to. We'll, we'll go. We'll Aaron. go to Pat, Aaron, Pat, Aaron, whatever you want to call this deer, um, and however you want to spell it. Um, this deer runs with a group of does. Has for four four or five years. We've we've known, had encounters with this deer. I've seen him multiple times. Um, but let's just be completely transparent. Here in Missouri, you have to you to use an antlerless tag. It has to be a doe or anything with antlers less than three inches. And the year that he was it, I said let's, he, let's say the biggest, the biggest where antlers were probably over three inches. Deer came by at like forty yards feeding could have probably taken a shot but at that point it's like ah, you don't want to burn a buck tag i don't want to burn a buck tag early in the season yeah on a deer that is like that um and plus it was kind of a longer shot and it was like ah, i'm not gonna rush it um don't know really what this this deer is a perfect example of a cactus buck mm -hmm. uh, mississippi state if you don't follow them go follow their facebook page have a lot of really good videos but I can't remember uh, who did the video, who it was, um, but he was talking about um, antler, cactus bucks. Never because of a couple different reasons. It could be damage to testicles, or um, but basically 
they're not producing testosterone. They don't shed their antlers. Their antlers stay sealed up basically to where every time, instead of like casting their antlers, shedding their antlers, uh, that antler stays on the skull. And every time they try to grow a new set of antlers, that blocks it. So it spills out in the form of like a caulk gun where it just oozes out every year. It oozes it's like out. It's like when you stick the grease gun in the grease fitting, and yeah. once you get it right, you get enough in there, it starts to ooze out the, the creases. Yeah. It's kind of what these antlers are doing, just like pancakes on top of a, its head. And and now it's got a mass. It almost looks like it's coming together in the center um, where they're, they're so – the the bases are so much, almost like a little acorn it's cap. Like a, it's a skull cap. <laughs> it is. Um it's a weird deer. It is a very weird deer. <laughs> and it's uh, a giant deer. I mean, <laughs> the thing Lord. looks like a horse. It is a horse walking through the woods in comparison to the other does. Mature or does I should look say, like I, I, should, I should say the other deer. You know, we don't know what this thing is. It's, I guess the size comparison would be like right now or a little bit later in the summer. You can take a, a mature doe with her little fawn and you see the difference. This yeah. would be like taking a mature doe and stacking it against... Pat Pat or Aaron, however, (laughs) different spellings. That would be the size comparison. This thing walks in on stilts. Yeah, because if 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 you see the body coming through the woods, like buck 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 buck, but you're like, has it shed? And then you look, get your binos up, and you're like, oh my gosh, that's that deer. It's yeah. And uh, but yeah, it it it's such an interesting deer. But right now, the way the law would read, because of the antler configurations, there is not the spikes. On the deer now, so not, it not is, very big anyway. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, we're talking inch, maybe. Yeah, maybe nubs, nubs. And so it's like that would be by definition a doe. So there, let's let's. I don't. I don't even know if we can say what it is yet. But it's like it's a doe that's on a hit list. I don't know. We we don't know. Regardless, it's been around. There's been a lot of history, been a lot of observations. We've seen it along the gravel road. We've seen it hunting. We've seen it all over the place. And it's like, if that deer this year walks into range. It's going to be the year we be, get him. Yeah. So, or her, whatever it is. <laughs> whatever it is. Hopefully, there will be an arrow launched at its direction. There's really contact. no, let's, let's just be completely honest with you guys. There is no strategy targeting this year no. it's just like but but what we do know though too is almost all the sightings have been either there's basically two places that are like oh three places that's like okay we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna see that deer it's either because we, we've gone to these places and we've hunted them we've sat in the tree like you think that deer's gonna show up tonight yep doll heart yep um the the burger place set yep and then you you can flip a coin because it shows up at both. Every once in a while, it'll show up at Fiasco, and every once in a while, it'll show up at Old Orchard. I'm thinking Greg's open fence line. Or Greg's open fence line, yeah. And it's one of those places. It's like, all right, just kind of be on your guard and definitely you know, take your binoculars, take your binos because you need to know what's happening with that deer. So anyhow, that that one's gonna be kind of cool. Um, no no real strategy. Just you know, you take advantage of of, of an opportunity when when it comes by. Um, but we've got another deer, the big tall brow 10 that is now running with, um, the buck we mentioned earlier, bachelor group wise, um, the 14, 15 point or whatever it is. Um, it's running with that deer right now and has been for last year and this year, last year and this year. Chad found a shed last year on the, just up the hill from where we found, where I found the big tall eight pointers shed. So they both hung out there late season. Yep. Um, they kind of busted up during the fall, but then they got back together during the late season. Um, this deer is a heck of a deer. Uh, another gr- a very solid jump. You know, nothing terribly crazy, but really made just, I would say, an even even growth throughout. It's not like one portion of its antlers or, you know, like it didn't like put on His a bunch brows of brows did the most growth. But it's like it's He's always been impressive, and it's like that deer's going to be a great deer. And sure enough, you know, we think this deer's probably four and a half, and he is beautiful representation of, you know, an adult, mature deer in the area. It, last year it seemed like middle of the season, he tended to be more westernish portion of the property. Yep, Ruby Ridge was like his hangout. Ruby Ridge. Um, 
and, and that's yeah. – he's going to be a deer we hunt in the timber. Oh, for sure. That new set at Ruby Ridge that's in the timber, that's going to be a great place for him. I, I, I the could place see I shot uh, the deer as well. last year Yep, that one. Uh, would be another great place to get him. The saddle where Keith Hammer had the encounter with yeah. Big Show we'll talk about next. Um, that, that to me, is the core area of that deer. That's where we picked him up the most um, last year. And I think that um, that – that in the in the heart of bow season, late October, November, um, is kind of a no brainer. We anticipate that deer being pretty active. And here here's one thing, another another reason why I believe that is gonna be the case is because the deer that you shot and harvested was working that area extremely heavy. Like he was active so much in those saddles and on those scrapes that we were monitoring. Well, then one night we had him go from go through three different saddles. Yeah. Multiple times. Across Hundreds of acres. Yeah. Great, like, traveled a lot. But he ran that area. And it's like, when that deer kind of fell, and we knew this deer was, you know, working that same general area, I don't doubt that he will, if you will, dominate, I don't want to say territory, not territorial, but he will be in that area and work that area that much more and be that much more prevalent Um on scrapes, on saddles. I feel like he will be, let's say, the top dog in that area. Um, and we know how to hunt it. That's the cool thing it is if they're in that area, if they're on the west side, along the food plots, those saddles, we are set up. We know what wins to hunt. We know which wins not to hunt them. Uh, we know how to access it. And it's like uh, that deer I totally see middle of the season being a prime candidate for, for harvesting. Absolutely. Um, I, great, great deer. Pro- probably – Mid forties, ten pointer, I would yeah, say for sure. Last year, I think it was low twenties. Yeah, um, he made a good I th- jump. I think that's what I love about timber country and terrain country is the ability to manipulate deer patterns and not just they already kind of have their way through terrain. We and know then deer you can gonna travel. Handsome. Yeah, we know deer gonna travel the saddles. They're gonna do that. And we talked about this last year during the season. But how do you make a saddle that much better? Is you put a two good resources on either side of it, and you make them travel it that much more. And what resources we're talking about is either a, a food plot or a bedding thicket. And we've done that in this area. And it's a no-brainer for deer to be concentrating here. And truthfully, Ruby Ridge last year, I would say, had some of the most doe activity through the middle of the season as well. There's just a lot of does working that area. I, well, I'm excited There should for be. It. It's the only food plot in that whole <laughs> part of the world. Large, large portion of uh, acreage in that, yeah, like that said, that, that part of the property and then expanding out beyond the property too. Absolutely. Definitely an attractive area. Well, last and but not, certainly not least, a deer we call Big Show. And Big Show is one of those that – Oh, man, Chad passed him up three years ago, I believe, as a two-and-a-half-year-old. He was a very scrawny little uh, he was a very scrawny little eight-pointer. And then the next year he was a nicer eight-pointer. And then last year he was a really, really nice eight-pointer. Um, Unreal. And Keith Hammer and I actually had an encounter with him. He looks like he's over 20 inches wide, uh, big, tall, tine, but Heavy. he's just a big, slick eight-pointer. And uh, there's nothing wrong with this deer. Nothing. No, not at all. And so he's one of those that, unfortunately, we don't ever get summer pictures. And he shows up sometime in mid to late October. And then he hangs out until the end of season. And then somewhere he sheds his antlers. And we never see him again until the next fall. Um, and so he's just one of those to where. Uh, we can't really put an early season strategy on him. We just wait and cross our fingers and hope that yep. he shows back up during uh, during mid October. Um, and and with having those bottoms, the last couple of years, or I guess the first two years that we had him on camera, we had the bottoms planted in a cover crop. Last year, it didn't amount to much. Um, we had a very dry fall, uh, and so f- food plots didn't do too great just because of lack of rain. But he ended up um, those first two years, he was very active in the bottom fields during late season. Um, And so if he does show back up, we have the bottoms planted, we have good rainfall, and we get things going, 
there's a very good chance we will be att- we'll be hunting him either going to or from those that bottom field. I think the bottom field and then the saddles again, kind of what we were talking about in this last this last deer, um, the Big Ten. He's going to be very active there as well. Like he's going to be all over that area. Um, he's pretty heavy, you know, active on scrapes. Um, I just he's a little bit of a mystery, a little bit. You kind of know, you wish you just had more intel with him outside of just that window of early October through the rest of season. You just wish that there was more. But truthfully, do you do you need more than, hey, he's, he's going to be traveling in the evenings down to this big destination food plot, and in the mornings he's going to be working back through these saddles, and vice versa in the evenings he's going to be doing the exact opposite, working through the saddles. Just hunt him. I think, I think that honestly the strategy with him is make, make sure he's walking through the saddles, improve the, the features around them, but then just keep it simple and hunt those right and access them right, and I think you're going to put yourself in front of him. Just like you guys did with with Keith Hammer, that was during rifle season, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. And and one of the things that we did in that same set this year was prepare it a little bit more for rifle season. This is this is just a silly silly thing, um, super simple. But it's like you know what, that little bit of extra work is going to hopefully go the distance. But that that saddle in comparison to the one we talked about earlier is a much broader saddle so we did some edge feathering back behind the stand so he doesn't loop around because he he wanted to do that last year with your guys encounter correct oh kind yeah of, kind of around a little bit downwind um so block that off a little bit so they're out in front of you more consistent wind um and allow you not to hopefully um spook any deer that want to loop behind you but then that road's got a little slight bend in it and with a rifle you could have shot you know 80, 90 yards if something crossed that fi- that that road in the saddle. Um, but now we went and expanded the road, cut it out a little bit more, got you a shot around the bend. So now you can reach out and shoot 150 yards easily through the timber along the road. So if they're crossing that saddle at any point beyond you, up in front of you, um, upwind, you're going to have a shot. Super simple, but it's like, you know, if, if they're going to do the same thing during rifle season, if he's going to be here working this area, we want to make sure that a shot opportunity is going to be able to uh, occur, and we want it to be in front of the stand, not behind it. So those are two little easy techniques, but Big Show, holy cow, he's on the radar, and uh, I'm excited for those October mornings to wake up and say, did he show up the morning, this morning? Is he is he on the cuttyback? Because when he, when he does, he's – he stays around. That's definitely, definitely exciting to know that time is coming sooner. Absolutely. Rather than later. Hopefully uh, it gets you guys motivated and, and encouraged and excited for deer season coming up. Uh, there's some guys that are going to be open up here in a couple <laughs> of weeks in Tennessee. Some Adam, guys in Kentucky. That South are Carolina opened up today. Oh, really? Okay. Yep. So it's here. <laughs> uh, and Florida's been open for yep. a little while. Yep. Um, Tennessee woof. has that three-day season. Um Regardless of when you're opening up, hopefully you guys enjoy some of this this strategy, and this will fuel you guys to, uh, you know, hopefully put some finishing touches on the season preparations and um, get you guys ready to have some success this fall. Yeah. All right, guys. Hope you enjoyed it. Please give us a review or recommendation review on iTunes and recommendation on Facebook. Once again, go subscribe to our channel over on YouTube for lots of videos coming to you currently and a lot more coming soon uh, appreciate you guys' ongoing support we thank you so much for it and Absolutely. we will see you next week see y'all yeah.